Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 115, Not Cool Enough. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number seven from Sakai Tang. The message is 30 seconds long and most likely comes soon after Sakai's message from last week's episode in September of 1989. Here we go. At present, I feel disgusted. I feel full. I feel harsh, Don. I'm quite sure that I saw Johnny walking to the movies, holding hands with a woman. Without saying hello, he passed me. It was all right. I don't like him. But I'm burned because I feel uncool. I'm paranoid that I'm not cool enough for him, not even to be his friend. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know who is this Johnny that I'm referring to. I, I don't think it's Johnny Fu that I was talking to. Why wouldn't it be him? Well, Johnny is gay, so he, he wouldn't be walking, holding hands with a woman. No, that wouldn't be Johnny. So do you think it was just kind of a fictional character that you made up? Maybe. Because <laughs> I really saw these phone messages as like little stages of performance. These are the days before YouTube videos. You know, you have like two or three seconds to perform. And sometimes I did see messages for people as like performance spaces. It sounds very much like a short story almost. Right that you've written. No, I don't. I'm pretty sure that I didn't write it. If I were making it up, I think I was, I was just, you know, the spontaneous. You were just improvising. I guess. Where do you think those ideas came from, though? Well, here's the thing. Like, maybe, maybe this emotions is real, but maybe I change the name of the person, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it happened, but not exactly in the same way. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it could have been an incident or a moment that it happened. Maybe I had a crush on somebody, and then I saw him on the street holding hands with somebody else, and then I was kind of burned, and then like... But it's not really about having a crush on somebody. You're saying, I don't like him. <laughs> Yeah, I said I, I I don't like him. I'm like I was I over him or something. You say that you feel you're not cool enough for him. Right. There was a lot of little groups. Everybody wants to be part of the cooler crowd. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, it's a myth this idea of belonging because there's always some group that you don't belong to. And there's always some group that you want to belong to. I was looking for some group to participate something with. You had recently completed your degree. Did you have an well, idea about what kind of career you might have as an artist? No. I mean, I was working for my dad. I had to come back and help him with his restaurant. You know, I mean, he wanted me to take it over, but I didn't want to because... Having a restaurant is a 24-7 operation. Yeah, I mean, coming back to New York was a little bit traumatic because I was making sculptures and photos in Chicago, and um, I just didn't have the space to 
to make sculpture in New York City. It was like as if I had to rethink this art thing. I was working for my dad, and there was one time, and I don't remember when that was, I wanted to print photographs, and I didn't have any money, so I went to him for money. And it was really, he didn't want to give it to me because his feeling was like, why are you coming to me for money? But he didn't understand that I actually need to have all the time. I, I have no idea like what I, how to get to what I wanted to. Like I wanted to continue to make art and show art, but I didn't see, in a way like I kind of didn't see a path forward um, because I had to make a living and I had to, yeah, it was very difficult. One can hear in Sakai's voice the frustrations of a struggling artist. At the same time, her answering machine message captures her ability to incorporate creative expression into everyday life. But what about her desire to dedicate all her time to this creativity? A desire thwarted by that pesky demand to earn a living. Eliminating this demand may sound crazy, but a growing number of scholars who call for a universal basic income question the imperative to work. The idea of a guaranteed income dates at least back to Thomas More's Utopia from 1516. But the first use I could find of the specific phrase universal basic income comes in a 1969 Christian Science Monitor article about the recommendations of an anti-poverty commission appointed by President Lyndon Johnson. The commission proposed annual cash assistance, whether one had a job or not, an idea previously advocated by welfare rights activists and over a thousand economists who sent a petition to Congress a year earlier. In August of 1969, President Nixon proposed a family assistance plan which would provide all families of four $1,600 a year as long as the head of household had work or was training for it. The bill passed easily in the House, but the Senate Finance Committee rejected it. In January of 1972, Democratic presidential candidate Senator George McGovern proposed a much more generous grant of $1,000 to every man, woman, and child. But after being attacked for suggesting hardworking Americans would end up supporting the lazy, McGovern dropped the plan. This idea that providing everyone a guaranteed income would discourage work was turned on its head by Bertrand Russell in his 1918 book, Roads to Freedom. In it, Russell argues that if people are no longer forced to work by the need to survive, work will be made more attractive. Although these days, universal basic income is frequently discussed as a solution to robots displacing workers, 
The idea that employers would be required to make their jobs attractive through higher wages and better working conditions is equally important. And, of course, an unconditional grant would allow people to create projects that may have no commercial value, but have value nonetheless, such as sculpture, or maybe even a podcast. If you want to join the UBI craze, or just call me crazy, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Sakai for her recollections. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.